Hey, this is Lexi. This is Ari. And you're listening to Hotel Earth. Bien. Bien. Hi. Welcome, welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hotel Earth. My name is Ariana Halvai, and I'm joined here by my awesome and beautiful and fucking incredible co-host, Lexi Moorhead. Say hi, Lexi. That's not even... Hi. That's not even scripted. That's just... That's just her being very nice to me. That's Thank just you. me. That's just the script I have in my brain always. When I'm, I'm going to introduce her to all my friends in Florence the exact same way. Hi, everyone. <laughs> my name is well, Ariana Well, you know, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> They're going to be like, wow, hi. Interesting introduction. So, Lex... We're talking about something very, very, very mm, interesting today. But before we get into it, before we get into it, I owe you a question. My question for you is, what is one of the greatest values that drives you in in your life? Like, that drives you to wake up every day and do what you do, you know, the thing. Yikeronis, what a hard question. It is. It's a hard question. The first thing that comes to mind is loyalty. Okay. Loyalty to people, loyalty to causes, loyalty to myself and my goals and my ambitions. I think that's a value that I've always had. I've always felt like, what are we if we're not able to like commit to something? But it's not a blind loyalty because obviously... Sometimes you kind of have to readdress your commitment to something. And if it doesn't, if it's inappropriate or if it changes, then maybe you need to assess that. But I I think loyalty is something that really drives me. I would have to agree with that. I would say loyalty is one of your biggest just qualities. I think any of your close friends would say loyalty is out, you know, just it's just a Lexi thing. The L and Lexi actually stands for loyalty. The L and Lexi stands for loyalty. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but I didn't know how to like actually put the syntax together. Thank I you. read your mind and I was like, I will translate for her. My my brain is so slow. Like I just spent the entire weekend at the beach, which was super like that was mad and unplanned, um, but it's fine. I love it. I'm just I think I maybe have my head still in the clouds from that. But anyways, thank you, Lexi, for giving us that. Of course. Anytime. I kind of wish that our world leaders had as much loyalty to their constituents as they do to their pocketbooks. And that's part of actually what we're going to talk about here today. Sure is. So, Lexi, why don't you get into it? This is Lexi's little baby here. She's mad passionate about this. I I cracked it open and it just I couldn't stop. She was just. So I'll introduce the topic and I'll let Lex ramble. But today. We are talking about fossil fuels again. In case you're new here, go check out our other content because we've definitely talked about this before. But however, we're talking about this in a new lens. We're talking about the Fossil Fuel Non-Proliferation Treaty. You may have heard of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. This is different. This is sort of an extension 
of the Paris Climate Agreement. Yes. Lex, what else do you have to say about it? Well, in case this is the very first episode of Hotel Earth that you're listening to, first of all, welcome. But second of all, there are several episodes that will provide invaluable insight into our conversation today. We will do our best to recap as we go. And I just kind of want to take the time now to point out which episodes exactly you need to listen to after you finish this one. Okay. The first two are going to be about the world's fossil fuel relationship. We highlighted this in great te- in great detail. I almost said detail, but T-tail. I didn't. I stopped myself. The first is episode seven, which is the transportation crisis driven mad. And the second is episode nine, our energy series on fossil fuels. The other two talk about economic models whose frameworks show paths forward without fossil fuel dependence. And those episodes are going to be our second episode, which is so crazy. I was going back to see when we talked about the circular economy. That was episode two. We just dove right into the fucking (laughs) most complex shit. (laughs) I I was literally, honestly, I was thinking about that. I was like, damn, we literally were like, what's the hardest thing we can cover as very new podcasters and i know my we, God. Went we probably should re- we probably should consider redoing some of those because i'm sure we could probably explain it much better now yeah we could definitely explain it better and i think that we could at the very least dive a bit deeper but the the other episode is episode eight which is the green economy basics now With or without having heard those episodes, I think today's conversation can ultimately be summed up by two things. The first is how today's extractive economy reliance is actually ruining our lives. And the second, this will take a vast amount of elbow grease, but an actionable path to climate restoration exists and is achievable. Now, Let's get the fuck into this topic. Mm. The why and what of today's topic are a bit of a nexus. You can't really have one without the other. Frankly, the why can be found in our current and our like actual current climate crisis and human misuse and abuse of fossil fuels. Yeah. Pretty fucking straightforward. Though some people may have you thinking otherwise. I know I personally have been gaslit into thinking that the climate crisis was something completely intangible and out of our control, but... That is simply not the case. The who's and no, I don't mean the ones from Dr. Seuss take a little longer to outline, but I'm going to do it as succinctly as possible. As some of you may know, 194, previously 196, but um, the U.S. kind of sucks. Kind of. 194 parties. A lot. Adopted the Paris Agreement, which ultimately aimed to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Technically, the goal was two, but they wanted to lower that to 1.5, just as an FYI. But did you know that the Paris Agreement does not reference fossil fuels? So they're like, yeah, we're going to lower, we're, we're going to raise the the climate temperature, or like the global temperature, but we're going to limit it. And we're also not going to talk about the thing that is kind of causing the whole fuckery to begin with. I actually, this blew my mind because re- when we were doing research for this episode, I and I realized like the actual why behind this um treaty being the fact that the fucking paris climate agreement just does just like fails to mention fossil fuels entirely is mind-blowing and I'm, you guys this is not it's not an accident in, you know that's 100 percent intentional no absolutely i mean that this all being said it doesn't surprise me that seven years in to this agreement the united nations secretary general 
Antonio Guterres said in this very this very recent March, the one that just passed, he said, and I quote, humans are responsible for virtually all global heating over the last 200 years. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. The climate time bomb is ticking, end quote. Funny how this one quote sums up our why and who so neatly. Thanks, Antonio. And it's no wonder these nations agreed to it because they all knew the culprit wouldn't actually need to be stopped. That brings us to the what. The fossil fuel non-proliferation. I'm going to have really, I'm going to have a really hard time saying that word. So the fossil fuel non <laughs> I hope you keep this in the recording. The fossil fuel. The fossil fuel. There are some words that I have historically had a lot of trouble saying. And when I was little, it was museum, which I am very happy to report that I can say perfectly now. Um, but I'm going to add. When I was one. little, it was hamburger. That's a hard one. I used to say hangaber. I couldn't say booger either. So you and I honestly. <laughs> Whatever. I'm actually going to defer to Ariana. Can you just say the fossil fuel non Oh, shit. <laughs> The fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty. Wow. Proliferation. Fuck. Proliferation. The fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty. <laughs> Thank you. Aims to address very specific items conveniently left out of the Paris Agreement and COP27. Fossil fuels. Yeah. I feel like we should have started the episode with this. Why are we talking about the non-proliferation treaty? It's because... It's the missing element that, you know, this group of like, you know, into this group of um, who started the, the, the treaty were like it, p people in the university setting and people who were like oh, former, former um, diplomats, etc. had come together to see like, OK, here at the Paris Climate Agreement, we were missing this huge chunk and they needed to create yes. a framework to actually address like one of the biggest issues the climate is facing at present if you're confused at all until this point this is why this thing fucking exists it's because i should really work on my language is there is there a reason to constantly put throw in fucking in there i mean i know it adds em emphasis but it's a little sprinkle oh, of pizzazz this npt non-proliferation treaty guys which we're going to say from here on out because what clearly Lexi yes. and i are having issues um Agreed. the fossil fuel npt is an extension of the Paris Climate Agreement, considering that the Paris Climate Agreement is completely forgetting, or not forgetting, well, uh, intentionally omitting a, um, a very essential part of this of this uh, emissions crisis we're facing. Absolutely. And COP27 did the same thing. COP27 did not reference oil or natural gas at all. Which, and there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation that COP27 is just a fat greenwashing scheme now. I and you know it's it's no surprise that I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. How how are you know what I'm going to save my soapbox rant and just continue on with the rest Sorry, of the information I keep because you we're going to I keep taking you no, off track but you're you're absolutely fine. You're you're pointing out exactly what I'm thinking and what I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking as we go through this, because 
you and I have the burden of knowledge. We kind of get how this all comes together. So occasionally I forget to point out those those things that are... <laughs> Was that a sneeze? Jesus Christ, I thought maybe you were having like an exorcism or something. That's not an exaggeration at I'm all. I'm leaving all of this in. Anyways, oh no. you actually disappeared. Like <laughs> your screen went black for a moment and you were just gone. I'm good, guys. Any I'm back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. We're going to we're gonna bring it back. So now we're talking about the what. The fossil fuel NPT, its whole shtick is to address the fact that fossil fuels have been conveniently left out of this conversation. When we have the Paris Agreement, it's not there. When we have COP27, it's not there. And why the fuck is it not there? Um, again, po- politicians in their pocketbooks. But this treaty is not meant to replace the Paris Agreement, because although we're sitting here poking fun at its lack of representation for the culprit of Mm -hmm. the climate crisis, it is still a really big deal that 194 parties, whether they be countries, the EU, like whatever that organization looks like that has agreed, that is huge that so many have signed on to be like, yes, we agree that we need to limit global warming. However, as we've discussed it doesn't say how. It's just kind of said that we're going to do this thing, but the fossil fuel NPT says this is what we're going to specifically address. And that is why this is accompanying the Paris Agreement mm-hmm. to make sure that we are addressing the fossil fuel production and consumption. Circling back around to the episodes that we referenced at the beginning of this episode, in season two, episode nine, Ari and I laid out what exactly the production and consumption of fossil fuels looks like. The TLDR is basically based on current and projected use, the world will exhaust all of its oil, natural gas, and coal in less than 100 years. Mm-hmm. Our primary source of power will be gone and we will be at the mercy of the human caused climate crisis. That's the what. That's why this treaty has been proposed. This is why um, countries are asking, not even countries, but organizations, world leaders, like Ariana was saying earlier, are asking that we sign on and prescribe to this agreement, basically. But back to the treaty. Knowing the need for properly addressing fossil fuel use, Pacific nations began calling for such an agreement. Being some of the most effective communities and also, I might add, least responsible for climate change. I love how it always works that way. <laughs> it, literally, let's the marginalized groups that are being shit on the hardest have to somehow come out and being, be like, hey, we're being shit on really hard. Can we stop? Like, yeah. can we do something to Straight stop up. this? Anyways, these nations are not going to go down without a fight. And this treaty is proof of that. So now enter our when and where. The treaty's history seems to have started somewhere in 2015. Obviously, a lot of climate justice, climate calls for action have happened before 2015. But this treaty specifically seems to have its origins somewhere around 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was when the Suva Declaration on Climate Change was issued and called on leaders for, quote, a new global dialogue on the implementation of an international moratorium on the development and expansion of fossil fuel extracting industries 
particularly the construction of new coal mines, as an urgent step towards decarbonizing the global economy. When I said earlier, there are two really big takeaways from this episode, and the combination of those two statements is basically our our dependence on fossil fuels, but our extractive economic practices that happen globally. It's not just in one or two particular countries. It's as entire nations as a globe. We have been looking at this as a very extractive, non-regenerative, not sustainable way. And and this declaration calls it out. And to that point, I mean, it's exactly right. The fact is, is that like we as, you know, the globe as one entity, we have... really been we've 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 started regulating emissions of fossil fuels but we've never regulated the production of them or the expansion of the industry which is like remove the bullets out of the gun you know before it causes you know you know what i'm saying like it's just it's like basic or stop the production of the bullets kind of yeah yeah so somewhere something do something, something. But some sort of metaphor that is like stop the shit before it happens preventative measure like why yes. are you regulating the cleanup when it's so much cheaper and uses so much less intellectual and physical and economic power to just regulate the production of the industry itself rather than the shit that it's putting out into the atmosphere exactly it's it's sort of like how when you implement programs to bring awareness to an issue like human-born illnesses, like person-to-person illnesses, when you start bringing people's attention to like how you get sick and how you prevent getting sick, less people get sick. (laughs) And then there's less people to have to take care of with that illness because you've nipped it in the bud. Straight up. But all of this, this declaration seemingly fell on deaf ears, but the fight has continued. And in 2017 at COP23, the least developed countries, the LDC, made a joint closing statement where they called attention to, quote, an increase in in ambition by all countries to put us on track to limit global temperature increase to 1.5 degrees Celsius by strengthening our national contributions, managing a phase out of fossil fuels, promoting renewable energy and implementing the most ambitious climate action, end quote. This is like, hey, we are calling attention to the fact that we need to be doing these things. Mm -hmm. We cannot just continue to say that we're going to. Why are we talking so much about how um, we are going to do the things, but we're not actually making efforts to do the things? Like, why is that occurring? And I think it's, again... The least developed countries had to be the ones to say, hey, guys. Well, because they're the ones getting the brunt of the of the consequences anyway. I mean, who else it, is exactly. going to pipe up the countries that are making bank off of it? And also, let's not forget that it's these developing countries that are also been roped in into production of fossil fuels to repay their debts back. You know, like, for example, Ecuador is mining the fucking rainforest for fossil fuels like one of the most precious most diverse resources we have on this planet to pay back its debts and it's just it's sick it's sickening extracting economies there there we have it um it it's really frustrating it's really very 
frustrating. And simultaneously to these calls happening, society has been asking for leaders, begging them really, to do something of significance. I think most of us are sick of empty promises and unactionable goals. And this has not, uh, somehow has not. All of our, our calls, all of our begging has not actually led us to having an actionable plan forward. But I do think that this treaty shows how we can. So thanks to a climate breakthrough award in 2019, the Fossil Fuel NPT Initiative started. It is directed by a steering committee, which, as already talked about earlier, has um, former world leaders, former um, leaders of different organizations, scientific minds, people involved in the the university community, um, people that were involved in the Green New Deal initiative here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's backed by civil society organizations, scientists, academics, parliamentarians, youth activists, senior faith leaders, indigenous movements, health institutions, and Nobel laureates globally. This is this is huge. Long story short, it ain't it ain't a it ain't a joke. <laughs> and it's it's no. got hella traction after after pointing out the severe lacking of addressing fossil fuels in the Paris Climate Agreement. I mean, it's it's huge. Yes. The call to implement the treaty and bring it to fruition has been made by the World Health Organization, the European Parliament, as well as Vanatu on the floor of the United Nations General Assembly. Like this treaty is not some well, what's that one website where you can go and like sign your name to petition? Oh, you're talking about change.org? Yes, this is awesome. Change.org, like a thing that's circulating that has no teeth and no real <laughs> consequence for like world things. And I'm not saying that that website, change.org, it, doesn't have not, real it's, consequences. There's, there's just, but it's very, this is very serious. It's very serious, you yes. guys. This is on another level. There are levels to this shit. And this one is is at a higher level. This is top tier. I would like to specifically shout out a few countries that have actually signed on to the treaty. The first is Vanatu, which I just referenced. Um, Their prime minister, I'm 99% sure he's a prime minister, actually was the one that made the call to action for this NPT on the United Nations General Assembly floor. Mm-hmm. Also, Tuvalu, Tanga, Fiji, Niue, and the Somalian Islands, all of them have signed. So there's only been like six or seven countries that have signed on so far. There, that I last checked. I There are people signing and endorsing pretty uh, consistently, right. but those are the Pacific nations that the Pacific and specific nations that I would like to just shout out at this point in time. And though this treaty is not implemented, it is an important call to action for a very needed worldwide agreement with concrete determinations of fossil fuel use. Right, right. So it's, I mean, obviously, as I've said, um, like in earlier in this episode, it's just kind of mind blowing that arguably our biggest and most complete document, you know, made to date on combating climate change as unified species of like of human has no mention whatsoever of how we're going to tackle the fossil fuel issue. And the fossil fuel NPT that we've been talking about today lists the following pillars on its website, non-proliferation. So stop building out the problem by ending the expansion of coal, oil, and gas production. A fair phase out. 
So an equitable plan for the wind down of existing fossil fuel production where nations with the capacity and historical responsibility for emissions transition fastest, providing support to others around the world. And finally, a just transition. So the fast track, fast track the adoption of clean energy and economic diversification away from fossil fuels so that no worker, community or country <clears throat> is left behind. Here we see that fairness and equity are the two most outstanding goals of the fossil fuel NPT, which right. for Lex and I is major. Um, we always try to pinpoint and address where we c biases or something that's just genuinely like unattainable when we see it. Right. And I think that the whole point of this, this whole treaty is pointing out the fact that uh, it's a, uh, first of all, look, let's look at the facts. Like the six countries that have signed on to this are mostly Pacific islands. Those are the ones who have, have experienced a lot of the brunt of climate change without having done hardly anything to contribute to it. Exactly. It's it's not fair. <laughs> no. And it's not just. No. And there's nothing equitable about no. that. It's, there's nothing equitable that the U.S. and other really major countries with, with major industry like China, India, Russia, etc. are the ones in all, most of Europe, too. Let's not let's not, you know, Europe's not off the hook here. Europe is a continent, obviously, but like Europe as a whole. <laughs> the, they're not the ones experiencing they're the we're the ones pumping all the shit out but we're and you know expanding the production of fossil fuels but we're not the ones experiencing w actually what climate change is like what the what the consequences of climate change is like and look at we both know that it's not going to be easy it's not going to be an easy transition and there's probably some biases in there but the fact of the matter is as Lex and I have dis discussed extensively on the pod is that the transition to renewables is necessary like there's just no there is no other way <laughs> um and i know lexi probably hasn't seen the movie don't look up no i have i've seen test. it i've seen it you you've seen I, it. it drove i it drove me fucking nuts it drove me nuts but i have seen it it made me very frustrated i mean like the point of the movie is to frustrate you yeah, but like, so like it did it very I'm much frustrated so glad me. it made you upset because that movie is literally like a commentary on how we've been handling the climate crisis okay now, they're talking about a big meteor coming toward Earth, but the whole gist is like scientists, professionals, industry professionals are like, hey, we're about to die. Here's what we can do to, you know, avoid this situation. And they just don't. And the meteor comes and everyone dies, but then all the rich people take a little ship and leave Earth and it's all fine. But... All fine, she says. All fine, quote unquote, for, for those with the privilege. However, um, obviously that movie is is a bit of a a bit of an exaggeration. It's a bit of a it's a like I said, it's a kind of satirical comedy. But the gist is the vibes are the same. The like how many times do scientists and industry professionals need to talk about it and warn people before it's literally just too late? Like yes. You know, I'm sure Elon Musk has that really cool spaceship that's going to take some of, you know, a few select rich people off to some unknown planet where something cool is happening over there. 666, super awesome. But guys, that's uh, missing the other 7 billion people on the planet. So, um, yeah, let's just not forget. Let's not forget about those guys, please. Uh -huh. And one thing I did want to point out that I saw on the um, fossil fuel NPT website was this rather bold statement. Quote, it's time to leave behind the pollution, economic, climate, 
and security risks caused by coal, oil, and gas. There is enough affordable renewable energy capacity in every region of the world to power people's lives and communities, end quote. Um, I personally don't know if this is like a thousand percent true, but I just thought it gave a pretty powerful message that we just aren't doing enough and that we do have the resources to start to stop the expansion and start the transition and like here is a fact like we the globe have more than enough fossil fuels in existing installations to keep us running even if we were to stop expansion today while we transition to other sources so the bottom line is we're living in an age where governments as i said are regulating the emissions of fossil fuels but not the production and that is because they're pocketing a lot of cash that is because they're exactly. maintaining a lot of power with this fossil fuels more than money. It's also it's it's power. Nations who have access to fossil fuels and can hold it over other people's heads are powerful. That's just how yeah. it is. We talked about that marriage between power and fossil fuels is strong and it's not an accident. But the other part of the fossil fuel NPT that I think is really important to, to talk about when we talk about or when it talks about fairness and equity, it also does address the fact that developed nations need to stop relying on fossil fuels faster than developing countries. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think it's very fair to say that developing nations should be forgotten in this race to end the use of fossil fuels. Like Ari and I have said ad nauseum, we're not asking for people to completely stop using fossil fuels if the need is still there. The point is that we do not need to use fossil fuels in most developed nations. The capability exists for us to be wholly reliant on renewable resources and not completely dependent on fossil fuels like we are. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Like the truth of the matter, the fact of the matter is developing nations, developing countries are going to have a harder time transitioning but they're that that is why the ones with the capabilities it's bold of me to say need to stop but like there is a serious need for the literal halt of expansion of fossil fuels and to start the transition the transition because as i've said we do have the resources and the capability to do that halt right now because even if we did that we still have enough fucking fossil fuels left in our installations to continue business as usual while we figure out the transition you don't even need the research right yet right now like we have we have the ability to do it yep so that's our two cents on this um yes would love to know what the listeners think about the fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty wow look at you go one of us can say it the whole way through i will not attempt it i'm comfortable with fossil fuel npt But, you know, they can tell us what they think by going to the question on this episode on Spotify. Mm -hmm. If you don't listen on Spotify, you can send us a message on our Instagram at Hotel Earth Podcast. You can also follow us on TikTok at Hotel Earth Pod and send us a message there. Or you can email us at hotelearthpodcast at gmail.com. But last order of business before you go and respond to us on one of those forums You can endorse this treaty if it so pleases you. We will have a link in this episode description as well as our link tree for you to go and do that. Aside from that, we would absolutely love it if you would like, follow, subscribe, rate, leave a review, 
interact with with us on social media share us with a friend who enjoys this type of tomfoolery and info fuckery if you will yes you can also as ari always tells us leave your credit card information left or right nut i'm feeling generous today social security don't forget Mm -hmm. that definitely Mm -hmm. gonna need to do some mama needs to go on a shopping spree because she's about to leave for europe and yeah uh, i need to go do a little thrift loo so look for for look for those fun updates because the girls are about to be reunited and that is about to be chaos chaos. but without further ado as excited as i am we have to end at some point so please let us know what you think and ciao for now Hasta la pizza. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches.